And good morning, I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson, so glad to see you all here worshiping with us at South Park Church today. Whether you're in person in our modern sanctuary or joining us from downstairs in our traditional sanctuary or online or listening to our podcast, we have a lot of cool ways to connect and worship, but we're one church uh, with one message serving the one true God. And uh, as we talked about earlier today in both services, uh, we're in the season of Advent. This is a season of preparation to get ready to celebrate the birth of Jesus Advent means coming or arrival, so we celebrate the arrival of Jesus into the world and into our lives. Uh, So we'll celebrate that at Christmas, on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, certainly. We know that Jesus has come already in the flesh. We know that Jesus is with us now in our lives and that he's coming back again in all of his glory at the end of time to get rid of all of evil and usher in the glorious kingdom of heaven in full. So lots of things that are exciting in this season of Advent. Uh, This series is based upon a study by Pastor Adam Hamilton, uh, and it says, Prepare the way for the Lord. How are we preparing our lives and our world for the advent of Jesus? And so we were looking in the scriptures, uh, last week we'll be looking in the next few weeks, about the story of John the Baptist, who was Jesus' cousin, and he was tasked with getting the people in the first century ready to welcome the Messiah Jesus. So last week we met uh, his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah was a priest, and Elizabeth, his wife, was the daughter of a priest. Uh, and they had tried their whole lives to have children, but were not able to do that. But now they're old and they're past childbearing age. And an angel Gabriel shows up to Zechariah and says, Your prayers have been answered. And you and your wife will conceive, and you will have a son, and you're going to name him John, and he will prepare the way for the Messiah. So today we're going to pick up the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and see their reactions to this incredible news that they've been granted. Again, we're glad you're here today. Uh, The past couple weeks I've been doing some online shopping, getting ready for Christmas. Anybody shop online, do that kind of stuff? I like doing that because I had a long do well in crowds out in the malls and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I've been getting successful of getting some of that stuff bought up. But I saw um, an ad when I was doing that that said the 29 29 coolest gifts that are sure to sell out, right? And I'm a sucker for stuff like this, so I clicked on that. I probably got all kinds of malware and spyware, and the Russians are probably using my computer to rule the world or something. But anyway... I did that, and and they had these really cool things, like these cool gizmos, and one of them was like this ball that you can have to play with your dog, only you don't have to be there, right? It's like this battery-powered thing. You put the batteries in, you let it go, and the ball will bounce on its own. It'll roll away from your dog. It's based upon the dog's proximity. So if your dog needs to be played with, you're tired of doing that, you can get one of these balls. Uh, they had a drone that you could buy, one of those big drones you could fly through the air and I guess spy on your neighbors or something, I don't know. But anyway, it was only $99, but worked better than the $1,000 professional drones that you see as advertised on television. They also had this little gizmo that you can plug into your wall and it will save you 90% on your electricity bill. And the power companies don't want you to know this is available, so buy it now. So they had 29 of these things, and um, I'm going through these, clicking through, and even I figured out a lot of this stuff sounds too good to be true. What's your experience with things that people want you to buy that promise you the world and end up being too good to be true? Well, I wonder today if Zechariah, who's heard this news from the angel that he and his wife are going to have a baby in their old age, if he wonders, you know, that sounds great, 
But that sounds a little too good to be true. In your life, what's your experience with things that are too good to be true? So let's jump in. So Gabriel's there with Zechariah. They're in the, in the temple of God. It's like this national cathedral. It's where everybody has to come to worship God. And let's see what's going on in this story with Zechariah and the angel. So Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? We're going to have a baby in our old age. We've tried this forever. How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. So Zechariah is probably like you and me. He's like, this is wonderful news. It sounds great. My wife and I have been trying to have kids. We gave up on that. We're way too old for that now. And now you're telling me that we're going to have a child. And he's going to be like the one who prepares the way for the Messiah. We've all been praying for all that. How can I know this for sure? Do you blame Zechariah? I don't. I'm probably having the same kind of questions to that, that angel who turns out to be Gabriel. And, you know, in our lives, like, I mean, I think that's just... Like, that would be normal for us to ask that question. How can I know? I mean, as we come and we follow Jesus, you know, for a lot of us, some things are easy to believe and some things are harder to believe. And I think in our faith walk with God, we probably ask this question a lot, right? How can I know that Jesus is who he says he is? How do I know there's a God? How do I know that good things are going to happen to me? How do I know that, that there is a heaven? How can I know that I can live life to the full? I mean, I think we can understand Zechariah's question. How can I know for sure. And then it seems a little harsh, doesn't it, that the angel says, okay, you don't believe me. You're not going to be able to speak until your child is born. What, nine, ten months, you got to wait to be able to talk again, right? That's got to be hard for Zechariah to deal with. So, I mean, I think there are a couple things in these opening scriptures today. One is Zechariah's perceived doubt, and then, you know, this whole thing about silence. So let's think about this for a minute, right? So Zechariah asks, how can I be sure that this is going to happen? Right? And again, I think as humans, we're wired to ask questions. We're wired to have critical thoughts. We, we want to test things that we hear to make sure that they're true or not. Right? If I gave my money to all those 29 coolest things on the Internet and gave those to all my friends and family, and then it turned out to be a bunch of junk, right? it's a good thing to ask questions. Right? We, want to, we have this wiring inside of us to, to find out what's true and what's not so that we don't get burned in our lives. Right? And so that's kind of the way that we're wired even as people of faith, I think it's, it's a normal part of faith to have questions. It's a normal part of faith to have doubts. And if we're rooted in our faith and we really want to learn more about God, to ask questions and have doubts can actually lead us to have stronger faith on the other side of those questions. I know that in my own life, I was, I was brought up in the church. My father is a pastor. I'm a pastor. I've been, you know, in, in following Jesus my whole life. But in that process, I've had questions. I continue to have questions. I believe, but I also have questions. And I think that's okay with God. And I think that if we pursue that in godly way, that our faith grows stronger rather than further away. And so if you're having doubts in your life, it's okay to ask questions of God. Now, one good and frustrating part about God is that God gives us certainties in life and we can believe things, but also God works in, in mysterious ways. And, and God is a mystery. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians that we understand now in part, but we're not going to fully understand until we're in heaven. And so there's a mysterious thing about following God. And 
And ultimately what faith is, is that we trust in God even when we haven't got it all figured out. We trust in God even when we don't have all of the answers. We trust in God even when we have questions, right? That's the, that's the paradox of faith, and that's absolutely okay. And so I think Zechariah reflects a lot of us. We trust you, God. We believe in you, God, but we also have some questions, and we're, we're wrestling with some of that, and, and that's okay. But then, of course, the angel says, okay, right? You don't believe me? You're not going to be able to talk for, you know, nine months, nine, ten months, right? And, you know, remember, Zechariah's a priest. He's kind of like a pastor, and he's just been given the greatest news in the world, right? You're going to have a baby. You and your wife are going to have a baby in your old age. Your, your prayers are answered, right? When a pastor has good news and his mouth is shut for nine months, that's like the worst thing that you can do to a pastor, right? And now some of you are probably thinking, Gabriel, would you come visit Pastor Kyle and shut him up for nine months? That would be good for us, right? We need a little break from that, right? So that's got to be incredibly difficult for Gabriel. So is, is, I mean, for Zechariah, is Gabriel overreacting? Is this a harsh punishment? Like, why did he make him silent for nine months? Let me ask you this question. What if it wasn't a punishment? What if it was a gift? Elsewhere in the Bible, it says, be still and know that I'm God. When we're facing challenging or exciting situations, sometimes it's good for us to stop and pause so that we can listen to what God has to say, right? And common sense teaches us that we have two ears and one mouth, right? But why do we talk more than we listen, right? And could you imagine if people in our world today would stop and just take a breath and, and stop talking and start listening, what if our politicians did that? What if the leaders in the world did that? What if celebrities did that? What if the people where you work did that? What if people at school did that? What if people in your family did that? What if people in our church did that, where we stopped talking so much and we listened to each other and we listened to God? Adam Hamilton, who uh, wrote the study that this series is based on, says this about silence. I love this quote. Silence is an expression of awe and worship that is an appropriate response to the glory of God. It's in the silence that we can hear God speak. How much time do you allow for silence in your relationship to God so that God can speak to you? So maybe, maybe the angel Gabriel gave Zechariah a gift to stop and to hear from God. How are you stopping to hear from God in your life? Well, let's keep going with the story uh, and see what happens next with Zechariah. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. So imagine Elizabeth, she hadn't seen her husband, he comes home from work and he's unusually quiet. <laughs> he can't talk, he can't talk, he can't talk. But other parts of him seem to work and they end up having a baby, right? And so I will let you fill in those blanks. But so uh, the prophecy comes true. Right, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they conceive, and she goes off into seclusion by herself for five months. I mean, if you're a woman who's past childbearing age, an older woman, you get pregnant, maybe you need some space for yourself, right? And so, so Elizabeth takes some time in seclusion. In the meantime, her cousin Mary, who lives about a week uh, away by, by traveling on a donkey or a walking sort of thing uh, in Nazareth, Happens to be like a 13-year-old girl, and the angel Gabriel, same angel, goes to her and appears and says that God wants you to be the mother of the Messiah, Jesus. And she says, how can this be? I'm not married. I'm engaged. I'm a virgin. Like, how do I have a baby? You know, and all that kind of stuff. He's like, the Holy Spirit will make this happen for you if you're willing. And Mary said, yes, I'm, I'm willing to do that. 
But you got to put yourself in Mary's shoes. And as exciting as that is to be the mother of Jesus, she also had to be a bit scared and paranoid. What's Joseph going to think? What are my parents going to think? What are the people in the town going to think? They're probably going to ridicule me, make fun of me. I could be killed because if you're pregnant and you're not yet married, right, you could be killed. And so it's interesting to see what Mary does, right? Let's pick up the story again uh, with Mary now coming into Elizabeth's life. At that time, Mary got ready, and she hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home, and she greeted Elizabeth. So Mary goes about 70 miles, takes about a week's travel, uh, which is not easy back then. They didn't have cars or buses or anything. Why isn't she staying with her parents? Why isn't she talking to her fiancé? Why is she going to see her cousin Elizabeth? Interesting. Well, we have to assume that they had a good relationship, that she loved Elizabeth, she trusted Elizabeth, and if something's going crazy in my life, maybe Elizabeth can help me with that. And maybe Mary had heard that Elizabeth, right, is pregnant, right? Good old cousin, old cousin Elizabeth, Mary, you know, she's pregnant, and she's having a baby. She's been in seclusion for five months, right? Now I'm having a baby, I'm a virgin, right? And, and like, you know, maybe Elizabeth's the only person who can understand this. Right? She has this unusual pregnancy. I have this unusual pregnancy. She's my cousin. We're close together. Right? And so Mary goes to spend time with Elizabeth. Right? There's some kind of mentoring relationship going on between these cousins, and it's powerful. They must have this really strong bond, and they have something very much in common. So when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? You remember last week we read that John, right, in the womb has already got the Holy Spirit. That's, that's God in John. And here it says that Elizabeth has the Holy Spirit too. And so when Mary, pregnant with Jesus, comes into the room, John realizes through the Holy Spirit something's going on. He starts kicking, right? This isn't a bean burrito, right? This is the Holy Spirit helping John recognize that Jesus is coming. Right? And, so, and then Elizabeth says it's filled with the Holy Spirit as well. We'll see what happens next. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Uh, But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? This is such a blessing, right? Why should the mother of my Lord come to me? That's the Holy Spirit helping Elizabeth see that Mary is carrying Jesus. And so Elizabeth, don't miss this, becomes the first person in the entire Bible to say out loud that Jesus is the Lord. Right, so she confesses Jesus as the Lord. Her son has helped playing a role in this. Right? This is powerful stuff that's happening here between Elizabeth and Mary and John and Jesus. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Right? The Holy Spirit's at work here. Blessed is she uh, who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Right? Mary, there's something special going on with you. Right, I, I can imagine the conversations that Mary and Elizabeth had about being pregnant and how the Holy Spirit's working in their lives and how one cousin was preparing the way for the other. Like, this is just amazing stuff that's going on. And so right after this in Luke 1, Mary goes into this long song about how she's excited to be the mother of Jesus and celebrating Jesus. And it's called Mary's Magnificat. There's lots of songs that we sing at Christmas about this. I encourage you to go home today and read uh, in Luke 1 yourself this, this song of Mary. And what it shows us, though, she's kind of moved from being like this, this fearful girl of, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen to me, to being full of joy. This is a great thing for me to be caring the child of God. What a wonderful thing. And Elizabeth has helped her come to this. 
And I just, I love this relationship between Elizabeth and Mary. It's kind of this mentoring relationship. Mary's in just a, an exciting time, but also a fearful time. And she goes to someone that she loves and trusts, who's like a mother to her, who's, who's her cousin. And Elizabeth is like mentoring Mary. And she's pouring herself into Mary. And so I just think about people in our lives, right, who are older than us, who we look to for advice and look to for wisdom. Who are those people in your life that would be an Elizabeth for you? Um, or if, if you're a male, it would be someone like Paul was to Timothy in the Bible, right? So it's Elizabeth and Mary, Paul and Timothy, right? Someone who's older than you that you look up to and they, they give advice, right? Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a friend. Like, who is that person? Who is the Elizabeth or the Elizabeths in your life that have poured into you? Because I think in our lives, we need older people to pour into us because they have wisdom and experience and knowledge and, and we can trust them and we can learn from them. Who are those Elizabeths in your life? And just give God thanks for that. Right, but as we grow older also, uh, and we gain wisdom and knowledge and life experience, I think that we also, all of us, have an opportunity to pour into someone who's younger than us who hasn't had the same life experience, who might be going through similar life experiences and need someone to, to ask questions and look up to. And so uh, I, would, I would ask those of you who are a little bit older, like who are the people that you're pouring into, right? Because some people need an Elizabeth and some of us also need a Mary, right? There's someone out there that, that we can help, that God gave us the ability and knowledge and wisdom to say, you know what, I need you to pour into someone younger than you. Right? So sometimes we need Elizabeth, sometimes we need a Paul, sometimes we need a Mary, sometimes we need a Timothy. Right? A few weeks ago, I interviewed two people in our church, Alex and Larry. If you remember that, they came up on stage, and they are in this mentoring relationship. Alex came to me and said, Pastor Kyle, I'd love to have someone in our congregation who's a little bit older with life experience that I can talk about life with and about faith with, and we prayed about that and got these two guys together, and, and they told their story, and you can go back and watch that online if you missed that. It's a really powerful testimony, and uh, and it's not just Larry pouring into Alex, but Alex pouring back into Larry. And it's just this, this relationship. It's just strong, and it's cool to see the fruit that God is bringing through that. So in your life, who's your Elizabeth and who's your Mary? Who's pouring into you and who are you pouring into? Right? Who are those people in your life? And if you don't have those, maybe you'll be praying about, hey, God, I need someone like that in my life. Or I need to be someone like that to someone in my life. So show me who that is. This, this is a powerful kind of stuff. Well, let's get back to Scripture. Uh, we're going to keep going, fast-forwarding. Uh, Mary spends some time with Elizabeth, a few months, uh, a few more months, but now we're getting ready to have the baby, all right? So when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy, right? Uh, old Elizabeth's having a baby, right? We're so excited for her. This is great. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. This was the Jewish tradition going back to the Old Testament. And they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. Right? That's a great thing to do. Remember, Zechariah hasn't been able to talk this whole time. Maybe he's been able to write notes to Elizabeth. Right? But hey, let's name him after his dad. That's, that would be a huge honor for a lot of us who are named after our parents. Right? But his mother spoke up and said, no, he's to be called John. So did the Holy Spirit give her that or... Had Zechariah written that down for her? We don't know, but they're on the same page here, right? So not no, it'd be great to name him Zechariah, but we're going to name him John. But they said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. Right? That's not a family name, right? John's a nice name. It's just not our family name, right? You can't name him John. 
But then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. And he asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Right? We knew that was going to happen, but they were kind of shocked by that. Right? Immediately, his mouth was open and his tongue set free. And he began to speak, praising God. Imagine, right, after nine, ten months, like Zechariah's like, Whoa, I can finally talk. Like, you wouldn't believe the things that have happened to me in the temple. Right? I saw this angel, and he told me all this, and he gagged me. Right? I can't talk. He probably, like, he probably, said, he's probably holding John, saying, hello, my son. Right? He hadn't been able to talk to his son. He hadn't been able to talk to his wife. Like, what would you say if you hadn't been able to speak for nine or ten months? What would be the first words that came out of your mouth? Right? It's just this beautiful thing. But what I think is really cool, too, is they both say his name is John. John means the Lord is gracious. Right? John means the Lord is gracious. Jesus means God saves. Right? So names are very important in the Bible, just as they're important in our lives. John means the Lord is gracious. And it comes from a, a Greek word, charis, uh, which means gift or kindness or undeserved favor, right? We use that in the word charisma, charismatic, right? It means God gives us a gift. God gives us a gift that we don't, we don't really deserve. John is a gift, right? Jesus gives us a gift that we don't deserve. He gives us forgiveness. He gives us peace and joy and life to the full, right? And so we are supposed to receive the gifts from God, and we're supposed to then share the gifts from God. We receive grace and we give out grace. The Lord is gracious. Even in his name, like this John is going to be a gracious person. Uh, We give gifts. I introduced last week that every year uh, we do a special tradition at our church on Christmas, especially Christmas Eve. uh, We take up a special offering. Uh, And this is our gift back to Jesus, right? Because Christmas is ultimately Jesus's birthday. It's not our birthday. Why do we get all the presents, right? That's kind of cool. So we want to give Jesus a gift for his birthday. What does Jesus need? Because he has everything. We take up a financial offering, and we give 100% of that away to ministries or nonprofits who we believe are doing great things for the Lord. And this year, we're going to be splitting that up between two groups here in Charlotte who fight against human trafficking, right, where people are bought and sold, modern-day slavery. Charlotte's number one in the state in human trafficking and in the top ten in the nation. Not something that we want to be on the top of the list for. Right? But women and children are bought and sold, usually for sexual exploitation. And so there's two groups that we believe in in this city that fight against that. Right? And the other group that we're going to give this to is a sister church in Asheville. Uh, that is a, it's a church made up of, of people who are homeless, and it's for homeless, and they just don't have any money. And so they rely upon other churches to help them do the ministry. The founding pastor of that church grew up in this church. We'll talk more about them later. But today I want to introduce you to one of those two human trafficking groups, anti-human trafficking groups, that we're going to take up an offering for. And I want you to see how our partnership with this group, Justice Ministries, we're going to hear from Mark Blackwell their executive director, we've, we've been in a uh, relationship with them for years, uh, how they try to extend grace to people in some of the worst circumstances you can imagine. Let's introduce Mark to you right now. Uh, hey, my friends at South Park Church. I hope you guys are doing wonderful. Uh, I know many of you and, and have for many years. South Park Church has just been an incredible support to us over the years uh, for uh, quite some time. So we just so appreciate you guys just being in our corner year after year. Uh, For any of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Mark Blackwell. I'm the executive director of Justice Ministries. We are a counter-human trafficking 
agency serving here in the Carolinas. Uh, primarily, we, we focus on the area of sex trafficking and sexual exploitation. Uh, occasionally, we'll work a little bit in the labor trafficking area, but, but the majority of what we do is, is in the sex trafficking and exploitation space. Um, but basically, what we do is we uh, help uh, identify at-risk individuals, and we work with law enforcement and other groups. Uh, and when a victim is identified or even self-identifies, uh, we help them get out of that situation, and we help coordinate and execute uh, what needs to happen to help them escape and get into a safe place. And we also run a safe house program uh, where that is staffed and has long-term care where they can get access to multiple resources and, and various therapies and uh, continue education, things like that. Uh, we also focus a lot of effort on what we call transitional care. And that's when an individual is, feels that they're ready uh, to move out on to more of an independent living situation. We try to be a support system there. You know, a lot of the individuals we care for don't have much support system and we wanna be that for them. We wanna help them on their journey uh, to independence. And that can look like helping them find a place to live, maybe helping them, you know, find a, a donated vehicle or, um, you know, work placement, continuing education, continuing to fund therapy, uh, if that's something that they wanna continue with uh, post a program, uh, whatever it looks like. You know, we, we just wanna be here to, to love them well and support them. Uh, we do what we do uh, because we believe only Jesus can rescue and only Jesus can redeem. Uh, we don't want to do any of this in our own strength whatsoever. Uh, we simply want to go where the Lord has called us to go, and we want to serve well in his name. Uh, so we just thank South Park Church for y'all's years and years of consistent support. Some of you have even volunteered in the field, been on the ground uh, with outreach and things like that. And then obviously the, the very generous financial gifts over the years that have literally helped us put gas in the tank, you know, has been just a huge blessing. So we thank you for letting us come today and, and even share a little bit about what's going on and, and what we hope for the future. Uh, 2022 was a very, very busy year, full of activity. We, we had some pretty thin seasons, but, but you know, the Lord carried us through. He, is, he has sustained us truly uh, for 12 years. Uh, outside of a few months here and there, we've basically been operating month to month for 12 years and say yes to most, almost every case that crosses our desk. Uh, and, and that's all glory to God. That's nothing, that's not cause of me. Good night, not at all. Uh, but, but it's just been the Lord's provision and he's graciously allowed us to participate in the work that he is doing. Um, in 2023, we, we are very excited, uh, Lord willing. Uh, we have plans to, in partnership with another group, bring another safe house online that'll be staffed. And we also have, have plans to expand our tiny house program, which is very exciting. And, and we find it is, is just a very affordable and practical way to help with housing uh, for particular sets uh, of the survivors that we're working with, certainly in those in transitional care. But again, thank you for the time to share today. I look forward to connecting with you more. And um, we just love you guys. And we just thank you so much. So have a very Merry Christmas and God bless. Let's share some appreciation for Mark and Justice Ministries and what they're doing. So they've been here in Charlotte for 12 years and have helped rescue hundreds of women and children. Uh, get them a safe place. As you heard, they have one safe house, uh, and they're looking to build a second safe house. That's where some of the money that we would give them would go to. Uh, so again, as we think about giving Jesus a Christmas present, being gracious to people who really need some good news, uh, this is a great cause to do that. So I just invite you to be praying about supporting our Christmas offering this year uh, as we share that grace uh, with others in our lives. We'll jump in right back in one more passage of scripture from Zechariah. Just like Mary has this long song about Jesus, Zechariah goes into this long kind of prophecy about his son, uh, 
John. Um, we're not going to read all that, but again, I invite you to check out Luke 1. It's really powerful. In this one section, um, Zechariah is going to reference uh, 18 different Old Testament uh, texts that are coming true uh, in the birth of his son and the birth of Jesus. Pretty powerful stuff. But let's look at the ones that I want to focus on today. This is from Luke 1, 76 through 79. Again, John hasn't been, I mean, um, Zechariah hasn't been able to speak, right? So now he's talking to his son. And it's just, this is a really sweet moment. Uh, and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine to those living in darkness. The sun of God rising, right, and shining into the darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. You know, in the season of Advent uh, here in North America, uh, these are some of the, literally the darkest days of the year, right? The, we get so dark early. These are the longest days of darkness that we have in the year. Uh, and this passage of Scripture reminds us of why John came and why Jesus came, right? John's getting the world ready for God to shine the light into their darkness, so many people live in darkness. We, we deal with guilt and we deal with shame. We deal with fear. Uh, we struggle with all kinds of things in our life. And Zechariah reminds us that that's why God sent John. That's why God sent Jesus, right? To shine the light and to cast out the darkness and to let us know that God loves us and has good things in store for us. And so today I just would invite you maybe to think about what darkness am I experiencing in my life? Where are things dark for me? And, and where do I need Jesus' light to shine into my life? I think it's a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture as his father is talking to his son, saying you get to be a part of shining the light of God into someone's life. Where do you need light? And where do the people in your life need the light of Jesus? And how might you be able to shine that light of Christ into their lives? So what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? I think it's related to this light and darkness. Jesus came to be the light in my darkness. Will you say that out loud with me? Jesus came to be the light in my darkness. What darkness are you struggling with? And where do you need Jesus? But not just my darkness, right? Let's go to the next slide. Jesus came to be the light in my darkness. Jesus came to be the light in your darkness. Jesus came to be the light in our darkness. Jesus came for you, absolutely, but he also came for the people around us. Who in your life at work or at school, in your family, your neighborhood, needs the light of Jesus in these dark days? And how might God be calling you to be that light to them, a John or an Elizabeth? Right? So I want to share some things that you can do, some action steps made to respond to the message today, to the scripture. And I'm going to list more than I usually do, so don't be intimidated. Just maybe pick one or two that resonate with you, and just don't worry about the rest of them. But how's God calling you to react to this? How's God calling you to act today or in the days ahead? Let's see some things that we can do. One, read Luke 1, right? I've, we've read a lot of that together, but go back and read the parts that we left out and, and just see what Luke 1 is saying to you now that we've had some time to think and pray about these sorts of things. Uh, seek to trust God even when you're not sure. Remember, we started out in Zechariah. How can I know for sure, right? right? Seek to trust God even when we're not sure. It's okay to have doubts, but it's okay to trust at the same time, right? 
Find moments of silence to listen for God's voice. Remember, Zechariah had to be quiet for all those many months. Not asking you to take months off, right? But look for moments of silence. How are you making time in your life to listen for God? Right? Be an Elizabeth or a Mary, right? Be a mentor or pour yourself into someone, right? Or you could be a Paul or a Timothy, right? It's not a male-female thing. Uh, receive God's grace and share it with others. Right? We receive things that we don't deserve. We can share goodness with those others in the world. Consider the Christmas Eve offering and sharing grace with people who really need some good news. Right? And then finally, walk in the light of Jesus' love. Where do you need to see the light of Christ in your life? Mark Blackwell, uh, the executive director for Justice Ministries, uh, just shared uh, some, some interesting things with me as we were getting ready for today. And he said this past summer they had 17 women, uh, new women, come into the program uh, who were rescued from human trafficking. And 17 is a lot to have at one time, new women. And, and one of the women had several young children. I mean, can you imagine being exploited and you have young children? Uh, but they rescued her. They got her into a safe house. They're working on getting her back into society in helpful ways. And she sent Mark a note, just sent him a text and said, you know, thank you for what you're doing. She's like, I've always heard the phrase, be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. And she's like, I wasn't sure what that was, but now I know. Now I know what it looks like for other people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Imagine this mom being forced to do unimaginable things, being liberated from that, keeping her kids out of that lifestyle that would be forced upon them, saying, these strangers care about me. And the reason that they do that, they're saying, is because of this Jesus that they follow. That's what it's all about, brothers and sisters. To shine light in the darkness, to bring hope and peace into the world, to bring the good news of Jesus. Jesus came to be the light in our darkness. Receive that light and shine that light so others can see it as well. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.